Hello and welcome to the 215 Workman's Podcast. My name is Brother Robert Reynolds. I'm from KJB Right Division Radio in Lipa City, Batangas, Philippines. This is the podcast of myself and Brother Landon Dunn, and we appreciate you all being with us today to hear this message that Brother Landon has for you. And we pray that it's a blessing to you and a help to you, and pray it helps you learn to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. All right, so... um. What Brother Landon is going to do is uh, he's going to teach a little bit on the Genesis Gap. The Genesis Gap. And that's found um, in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Now, you know, a lot say that, uh, you know, that's just a theory and, and uh, it's not true at all. You know, and that it's heresy. You know, but uh, but you will see as uh, as Brother Landon goes along, you know that uh, it really is uh, the truth. There is a gap of time. All right, so um, let's go ahead and uh, let's get started. Amen. All right, so without further ado, here is Brother Landon. We're going to look at a message this evening on the title of The Genesis Gap. Amen. And with this message, uh, you know, it's basically like the gap between Genesis 1 1 and 1 2. Now, I know on this message, there's going to be people that doesn't like this message. But, you know, that's fine. It doesn't really matter to me because I'm not here to, to please people. That's I'm right, just simply brother. here to bring forth what the Word of God says. Amen. Because you know I'm not coming to the Word of God with any preconceived ideas. You know I'm not I don't have, I'm not coming into this book with a tradition that I'm holding. I'm just simply coming with this message to show forth what the Word of God says concerning this topic right here on the Genesis gap. So if you would just open up with me, right here in the Book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, the first chapter. We're going to look at the first two verses. Beginning right here in verse 1, the Bible reads, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And that capital S, that's the Holy Spirit of God. And if you notice right here, beginning with me, we're going to go ahead and look at the first point right here. We're going to notice first off that here in the Genesis Gap, we're going to notice point number one, that the earth, it was to be inhabited. Flip over with me to the book of Isaiah, if you will. Isaiah chapter 45. <clears throat> look right here in verses 18 to 19. It says right here, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth. Because you know in Genesis 1, 1, it said, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it, not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth, I said not unto the seed of Jacob, Seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. 
Now, if you notice right here, according to Genesis 1-1, you know, it shows that the earth was to be inhabited. Because if you notice right here, back right here in Isaiah, you know, again, it says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. Because you know in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. No, it says he, he established it, he created it, not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. So Genesis 1-1 shows that the earth was to be inhabited. But according to verse 2, you know, how can man inhabit where there's no form and void, you know, and darkness is upon the face of the deep? That's right. You know, we see two different events here where in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and next we see nothing as it's without form and void, and then there's darkness upon the face of the deep. You know, in the beginning, the earth was inhabited, but I believe it was inhabited by the devil. You know, according to John eight forty four, John eight forty four, this was Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. John eight forty four. Says ye are of your father the devil, and the less of your father ye will do. Says he was a murderer, look right here, from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So like I said, you know, I believe it was inhabited by the devil and also by his angels. If you notice in Matthew 25, verse 41, it says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, and to everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. So I believe the pre-Adamic earth, you know, the earth before Genesis 1-2, you know, in the beginning, Genesis 1-1, you know, I, I truly believe with all my heart, you know, that it was inhabited by the devil and his angels, the angels that he led astray. That's right, brother. You know, you know man wasn't made until Genesis one twenty six. you know, so it had to be inhabited by someone. So, so who was there? You now, we see the serpent coming to Eve in chapter 3, verse 1, you know, right there in Genesis. You know, and he's questioning God right from the start. But you'd ask, you know, when did the devil fall? <laughs> when in the beginning? I believe it was during the beginning, back in Genesis 1. Genesis 1-1. One, one, during that time. But if you notice with me, over in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14. Look right here. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. 
I, I will set also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Let's just keep reading a little bit. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? But you'd say, well, well, that's future. Well, actually, according to the scriptures, you know, there's two Mount Zion, there's two Mount Zion's in Scripture, and according to the context here, this is in heaven, you know, right? Jerusalem from above, you know, where we see that he was fallen from heaven. Let's notice something over in the book of Job. So let's just keep flipping over. You know, it's, it doesn't hurt for us to keep flipping over. This, this is how we learn our scriptures. We learn the Bible. We keep flipping. Because, you know, we have to learn this book by studying it. That's right. Over in the book of Job. Job chapter 26. Look at verses 7 and 8. It says, Let mine enemy be as the wicked, and he that riseth up against me as the unrighteous. Look right here. For what is the hope of the hypocrite? I'm sorry, I was over in the next chapter. <laughs> verses 7 and 8, chapter 26. It says, He stretcheth out the north over the empty place, and hangeth the earth upon nothing. He bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. So do you notice right there, according to the text, you know, there, there's two Mount Sions. Yes, sir. You know, there's one Mount Sion, you know, the heavenly. If you notice over in the book of Proverbs, chapter 48, Amen. Book of Psalms 48, verse 2. Okay, this is the heavenly, the heavenly sign. We'll go ahead and read verse 1 as well. It says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Sion, on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. You notice that's the heavenly Sion. But if you look at it again closely, because some people, even if they read this verse, they'd be like, well, no, because it's mentioned the whole earth. No, it said, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. See, we're talking about the joy of the whole earth right now. Our, the joy of the whole earth is in regards to Mount Sion. 
And it says it is on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And then with the earthly Mount Zion, over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, Hebrews 12, verse 22. And we'll go ahead and read one verse before it. It says, And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, you know, it's talking about earthly because it's talking about Moses. It said that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake, but ye are coming unto Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the and to an un an innumerable company of angels. You see right here, there's two different Mount Sions in the scripture. Amen, brother. But you'd ask, well, what did Satan say? Well, according to verse 13 right here, in chapter 14 of Isaiah, you know, he said, in the sides of the north. If you still had your finger in, right there in Isaiah 14, look at it again. As he said, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation. Look right here. In the sides of the north. You know, and this is from the heavenly, not the earthly. Amen. So look back to our text back in Genesis 1 and verse 2 right here. It says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, can man live in this state where it's without form and void? Because right here, you know, we have the earth that's without form. It's void. There's darkness upon the face of the deep. You know, the waters is completely covered with darkness. You know, it, the, the whole earth is covered with water and it's, complete, it's in complete darkness. It's without form and void. Can man live right here where it's in this state currently? Well, if we turn over to Jeremiah... Amen. Jeremiah chapter 4. In Jeremiah chapter 4, look right here in verses 23, 23 through 27. Because can a man live where it's without form and void? Notice right here. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. You see that? It was without form and void. And the heavens, they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heaven were fled. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord, and by his fierce anger. In verse 27, For thus hath the Lord said, 
the land, the whole land shall be desolate. Yet will I not make a full end. Now you know, I, mean, I know this is prophecy of the earth during the tribulation, but we see, you know, we see right here the type of the condition of the earth. The only difference is at the end of twenty-seven, where it says right here, "Yet will I not make a full end." No, but asking the question, but what do we see that's the same right here? Well, number one, the earth was without form and void. Verse 23, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void in the heavens, and they had no light. No, Number two, there was no man. Verse 25, I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. Now, in our text in verse 2, we do see a full end. Because right here, you know, this is just the type of Genesis chapter 2 because, yeah, well, I not make a full end. But in our text in verse 2, like I just said, we do see a full end. You know, you know not only is it without form and void, you know, but there's darkness upon the face of the deep. Yes. You know, this is what the Lord does in His anger when He destroys a place in order the time of their punishment has come. Let's notice something over in Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 26. Flip over there with me. Ezekiel, chapter 26. <clears throat> Verses 15 to 21. It says right here, Thus saith the Lord God to Tyrus, Shall not the owls shake at the sound of thy fall, when the wounded cry, when the slaughter is made in the midst of thee? Then all the princes of the sea shall come down from their thrones, and lay away their robes, and put off their broided gar garments. They shall clothe themselves with trembling. They shall sit upon the ground, and shall tremble at every moment and be astonished at thee. And they shall take up a, a lamentation for thee, and say to thee, How art thou destroyed, that wast inhabited of seafaring men? The renowned city, which was strong in the sea, she and her inhabitants, which caused their terror to be on all that haunt it. Now shall the isles tremble in the day of thy fall, Yea, the isles that are in that are in the sea shall be troubled at thy departure. For for thus saith the Lord God, when I shall make thee a desolate city, like the cities that are that are not inhabited, when I shall bring up the deep upon thee. Do, do you notice that right there? It says, When I shall bring up the deep upon thee, and great waters shall cover thee. Mm-hmm. When I shall bring thee down with them that descend into the pit with the people of old time, and shall set thee in the low parts of the earth, in places desolate of old, with them that go down to the pit, that thou be not inhabited, and I shall set glory in the land of the living. Verse 21. I will make thee a terror, and thou shalt be no more. 
though thou be sought for, yet shalt thou never be found again, saith the Lord. Amen, brother. You know, and what do we see back in our text? You know, darkness was upon the face of the deep. No, we see the earth covered in water. Definitely not a place to be inhabited. And if you notice something, number two, we'll move, we're going to move through, through these kind of quickly. Number two, you know, our punctuation proves a gap. Flip back over, back to our text in verses one and two right here in Genesis. Because our punctuation proves a gap. Notice again right here. It says, In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, period. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. No, direct, direct, right here, directly at the end of verse 1, we, we see a period. You know, this means that the previous sentence has come to an end. You know, and then in verse 2, it, be, it begins right here with and. And the earth was without form and void. You know, in the context of this chapter, if you read, you read all chapter 1 right here, you know, in the context of this chapter, all the way down to verse 31, you know, we see the word and. At the start of each verse, and, and, and. And, then, and each time, you know, it's dealing with the next verse after it. It's not dealing with what was before. So, why then are we seeing Christianity, the, the Christians today, Christianity, why do we see them fighting and arguing, saying that it is? Why are they saying that verse 1 goes with verse 2? That, it, that it's in connection, talking about the same thing. You know, all that is Remember. is a failure to observe the context. Yes. And by that failure, you know, they're forcing the beginning into God's judgment. Amen. So noticing right here, you know, with with our punctuation, you know, we can observe and see right here that you know, we can see that time can easily be skipped simply by a period. Yes. Flip back over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. Notice the first two verses. Nevertheless, the demise shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Neptali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath, that, hath the light shined. You know, Looking right here at verses 1 and 2, you know, we we can see right here there's there's time being skipped right here by a period between verse 1 and verse 2. You know, number 1, 
know, what we see from Isaiah being quoted during Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 4, you know, that was fulfilled spiritually. Because if you look back over Matthew chapter 4, and we'll take the time and we'll go through each one of these. Because, you know, it's important not just to say something, but just to show it from the Scriptures and show what the Scripture says. Amen. Over Matthew chapter four, you know, I'll back up. I'll back up just a little bit for sake of context, because you know I love looking at things in its context. Look right here in verse twelve. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtalim that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Neptilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But number two, you know, if you notice, if you notice right here, Matthew chapter four, you know, according to what you know Isaiah said back in chapter nine and one, you know, the first two verses there, the word spoken by Isaiah, you know, and then the whole prophecy what you know Isaiah said regarding this, you know, we find if we study, we'll find that there's twenty five words missing, twenty five words missing, you know, the literal fulfillment. Of this, you know, it's still future. Amen. You know, you know, and also with our punctuation, you know, we can notice we can also observe and notice something else. You know, we can see that time can be skipped simply by a semicolon. Look over to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen. But for second context, well. Look at verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> it says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all, the ca above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel so looking right here within the first half of the verse you know we see two seeds right here two seeds you know one we see first we, you know, we see the serpent's seed in the first half of this verse, you got the you got the serpent seed, and you had the woman's seed. But you know, the woman doesn't have a seed. You no, know, naturally, it's the man that has the seed. You know, so it's clear, and we know that her seed is future prophecy of the virgin birth of Christ. But we see here that the serpent has a seed. You know what this means is that he's able to produce life. You say, well, give me an example. 
Give me an example that he can produce life. Well, John chapter 6. Look over there with me. John chapter 6. Okay, verses 70 and 71. Jesus answered, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. You know, you know, a lot of people, you know, they look at that and they say, well, I think of it as figurative, but you know, figurative, you know, that's like we covered in the last few messages before, you know, like an as. Something's like yeah. that, but it's not that. That's right. Well, we don't see that here. He's not saying you're, you was a devil or you're like a devil. No, Jesus spoke to Simon. He said, have not chosen you twelve, and one of you is, is, is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. You know, you know, a seed is something that produces life. You know, in the beginning of Genesis, you know, it was referring to the grass, you know, the trees, the herbs, and fruit. You know, but within chapter 3, it is the first time here, the first mention in Scripture, that seed is a reference, you know, into producing human life. You know, that's the, that's the first mention as referring to human life, I should say. Because, you know, a seed is... And earlier on in Genesis, you know, it refers to, like I said, you know, trees, herbs, fruit. But the first mention producing, referring to life is right here in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. But the next mention, if you look over one chapter over, for, if you look down through the whole chapter, you know, the next mention is with Adam and Eve where they had Cain and Abel. And then later on down in the chapter there in the context, you know, whenever they... Whenever he knew when when Eve knew his he knew his wife Eve again, and they bear they bear Seth. So a seed produces life. And then you know the other half of the verse. You know on the other half of the semicolon. You know the other half of the verse. You know is separated by future prophecy of the Lord at His second advent. You know. Paul tells us in Romans 16 and verse 20, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. You know, by this we know that this is still future. Because you know, the rapture hasn't happened yet. The battle of Armageddon hasn't happened yet. The tribulation hasn't happened yet. You know, this is still future prophecy. And if we move on and notice number three, the scriptures don't lie. Look with me over in Second Peter chapter three. First John back up. Second Peter chapter three. Verses three to seven. Flip over to Second Peter chapter three. Notice with me right here, beginning in verse 3. 
knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from, look right here, from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willing, for they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of the, by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. You know, I constantly hear independent Baptists, you know, say that this flood is dealing with Noah's flood. You know, yeah, I've heard that, you know, half of my Christian life, I heard that. You know, they say that it's dealing with Noah's flood, you know, and they, they just try to take it and they, they try to lump it all together. You know, they try to take the, the flood, you know, right there in Genesis 1 and 2, and they come over to, to Noah's flood and they just try to take it and they try to cram it all together and force it together. You know, but our flood here in the text, you know, and the flood with Noah are completely different for two reasons. If you notice first, you know, during the flood in Genesis 1-2, you know, it destroyed the whole earth, leaving it in complete ruin. Ruin, Because, you know, it, because back in, you know, Genesis 1-2, you know, it said the earth was without form and void. You know, it was complete ruin. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. You know, the whole earth was left in complete ruin. Yes. And if you notice, secondly, you know, the flood of Noah's day, you know, that was only to destroy the people because of perversion. You know, and wickedness. You know, and plus, you know, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, look back here with me, look back to our text. You know, in Genesis 1, 3, you know, the Spirit of God, you know, moved upon the face of the waters, you know. It wasn't Noah. Because look right there in verse 3. Well, verse, well, verse 3 carries out the context, but what I meant to say is, you know, verse 2. Because it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So you see, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, you know. It wasn't Noah. You know, this is clearly a different flood. You know, not to mention that Noah had a raven and a dove. You know, you know, he sent them out to check for dry land. You know, and then in the other, you know, back in Genesis chapter 1, you know, God created the fowl that they may fly. Genesis 1 verse 20. You know, the scriptures don't lie. Point number three, the scriptures don't lie. Come you know, on, brother. Amen. If both floods were lumped together, you know, we'd see a contradiction. You know, and if both of these floods were the same, then who did God make first? Did he make Adam or did he make Noah? You know, if both were the same, then we would have Noah and his family just floating around. You know, as God made the first man Adam, as you come on down in chapter 1 of Genesis, if you look on verse 26, and God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. 
who did God make first? Did he make Adam or did he make Noah? Because if he made Noah first and we have a contradiction, we made the scriptures lie. You know, we know the scriptures don't lie. Man lies. Man's tradition lies. What man makes up to try to prove his point is a lie. If it doesn't line up biblically in this context, rightly divided with the scriptures. You know, if he doesn't match it line upon line, precept upon precept, then he's a liar. Did God make Adam first? Or did God make Noah first? Because right here in verse 26, it says God made Noah first. He was Noah, or God made Adam first. I'm sorry, God made Adam first. You know, he said, breathe. he said, let's make man in our own image and throw our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. No, God breathed him. He, he breathed in Adam's nostrils the breath of life. That was the first mention that we hear about God making man. So we clearly have to see two different floods here. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why I believe that according to the scriptures, that they don't lie, the earth has to be inhabited. And that according to looking at our punctuation, notes in our context, referencing scripture with scripture, that there is a gap between Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. Because the only other thing that man tries to do or within the independent Baptist that I've personally seen and I have heard with my own ears, they try to force Noah's flood into the beginning flood right there in Genesis 1-2, the whole destruction. But as, we, as we've seen right here, no, it can't be. Because you're forcing a contradiction on the Scriptures. Amen, Brother Landon. Thank you so very much uh, for this uh, teaching on the Genesis Gap. Uh, it was an excellent teaching. Um, I just want to say a couple of things. Um, you know, they say that there is no gap, you know, between Genesis 1 1 and Genesis 1 2. But let me show you a gap. Alright, look at um, Luke 4. You're going to see a gap of time here. Luke 4, verses 18 to 21. Luke 4, verses 18 to 21. Well, let's start in 16 so that you see the, the context. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it, where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance, to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Okay, period. In verse 20, And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down, and the eyes of all them 
that were in the synagogue were fastened on him in verse 21 and he began to say unto them this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears okay so so look the Lord Jesus Christ here is in the book of Isaiah right, and he stops at to preach the acceptable year of the Lord period all right now go to Isaiah 61 Isaiah 61 and we'll read verses 1 and 2 the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year verse 2 of the Lord comma and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn so Christ stopped at to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord because that's the first coming of Jesus Christ okay and then and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn right tribulation period so we have approximately a 2,000 year gap there amen and with this gap this Genesis gap those five I wills of Lucifer where was he when he said those things the only place that he could be is on the earth and so at his fall here and by the way there's no place without the Genesis gap to put Lucifer's fall without the gap right so he fell become prideful he fell made those uh, those five I will statements right? and then God judged the earth and the universe with a flood and darkness All right, look at Isaiah 9:19 and I'll show you something there. Isaiah 9:19 Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts is the land darkened and the people shall be as the fuel of the fire no man shall spare his brother. All right, so now you got uh, darkness you got a flood throughout the whole universe and so at the six days of recreation 
God divides those waters from the waters. Alright, now you got a, a firmament. You got waters up above the firmament. And you got waters below the firmament. Amen. So, you know, a lot of people call this the Genesis gap theory. And they say that it's heresy. But it is the Genesis gap fact. It is a fact. Just study it. Study it for yourself. Go back to what uh, Brother Landon uh, taught here. And, and, uh, and what I'm teaching a little bit here. Go back and study it. And, and see for yourself. Amen. But the Genesis gap is a fact. Amen. All right, I'll go ahead and uh, and I'll stop right there. Uh, thank you so very much uh, for being with us today. Thank you for your prayers for us, our families, our ministries. Uh, please continue to pray for this podcast that the Lord will continue to use it mightily for His glory. Amen. All right, thank you so very much. Until next time, God bless you.